0: Okay, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. This is going to be a about a 20-minute show. I just want to play the first 20 minutes of an interview that Matthias Desmet did with James Corbett. It's an hour and 10 minutes altogether, hour and seven minutes altogether. Uh, I'll just play the first 20 minutes of it and then... It's up to you whether you go and listen to the rest of it. I I would suggest that it's worth listening to, very definitely. Matthias Desmond has got some very, very interesting things to say. Uh, Particularly about mass formation and totalitarianism, but other things as well. And uh, this is what he focuses on at the moment, because that's the title of his book. Psychology of totalitarianism. So let me just find this on the Corbett report.com. Let me find the original audio I was listening to. there uh, we go so I'm not sure why but it's been particularly slow at the moment and uh, close a couple of times and just get this working properly now, something's going on with the Corbett report website doesn't like that for some reason here we go all right we're getting there slowly but surely stick with me folks So this is the first 22 minutes worth of interview
1: 17.30. Even if we can break this mass formation, right, me... even if we can break this mass formation, uh, there will be, if the, if, the, if the elementary conditions, psychological conditions the population is in, such as this loneliness and this lack of meaning making and so on, uh, continue to exist, then a new mass formation
2: will emerge immediately.
1: You're listening to The Corbett
2: Report. Welcome, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com in an interview that is being recorded on the 27th of May 2022. And I am sure many people in The Corbett Report audience has heard over the past several months something about mass formation psychosis. And as you may or may not know, that is something of a misnomer for a a psychological phenomenon that has been identified and talked about by people in over the years, but most specifically in the coronavirus uh, context by a professor out of Belgium called Matthias Desmet. He has uh, written a book about this subject that I will be committing to your attention today so of course the link to this book which is now available for pre-order will be available in the show notes for this conversation it is called the psychology of totalitarianism and is available from Chelsea Green publishing at chelseagreen.com and Matthias Dismet is a professor of clinical psychology in the department of psychology and educational sciences at Ghent University in Belgium and a practicing psychoanalytical psych- psychotherapist in 2018, he received the Evidence-Based Psychoanalytic Case Study Prize of the Association for Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy, which is quite a mouthful. And in 2019, he received the Wim-Triesberg Prize of the Dutch Association of Psychotherapy. Professor Dismet, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. You're welcome, uh, James. Uh, thanks. For, thank you for inviting me. Well, I, uh, I very much appreciate it because I... Uh, admit, when I first uh, received my pre-advanced uh, copy of this book, I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting, but I don't think I was quite expecting this book, and uh, in a pleasant way. Uh, I think this goes into a lot, a lot deeper uh, aspects of the problem that we are facing than, than perhaps I was expecting or prepared for, but obviously I'm glad for that, and I'm glad to get a chance to share that with the audience. But I think before we dive into this question of mass formation and how to cope with it or how to deal with it or how to derail this agenda or whatever way we want to frame that as usual i think we have to start by defining some of these terms because I, as i say i'm sure everyone has heard something about this over the past several months but probably not in any degree of detail or not like what you've painted in the book and i would suggest that perhaps the easiest way to begin broaching this conversation is from actually from the introduction to your book where um you noted that Dictatorships are based on a primitive psychological mechanism, namely on the creation of a climate of fear amongst the population based on the brutal potential of the dictatorial regime. Totalitarianism, on the other hand, has its roots in the insidious psychological process of mass formation. You go on to say that mass formation is, in essence, a kind of group hypnosis that destroys individuals' ethical self-awareness and robs them of their ability to think critically. All right, so... I'm getting the impression from this this is some sort of psychological social phenomenon, but perhaps you can expand on that. What, how, how would you uh, frame mass formation for people who've never heard that term before?
1: Yes, it's indeed crucial to understand what mass formation is if you want to understand the essence of totalitarianism. But as, as you said, as you just quoted from the book, um, people often mix up classical dictatorship with totalitarianism, and it's it's. As I think you're witnessing now, the emergence of a new kind of totalitarianism, not the fascist or not the communist totalitarianism, but the technocratic totalitarianism, which is at the same time similar and different from fascist and uh, communist totalitarianism. But as I, as I think you witness the emergence of a new totalitarian totalitarianism now, I think it's it's really crucial to understand what mass formation is, and to be aware of how a totalitarian state emerges in a society. And as you uh, mentioned already, um, a mass formation is a typical kind of group formation, which has a very specific characteristic impact on individual mental functioning. One of the most remarkable um, effects of mass formation on individual Psychological functioning is that it makes people radically incapable of taking a critical distance from what the group believes in. So once people are in the grip of this process of mass formation, they will typically be typically uh, become blind for the for the absurd characteristics of the group think of what the group believes in. And this goes quite far the people who are in the grip of mass formation uh, can truly believe uh, the most absurd thing the most absurd things even if it concerns people who are usually highly intelligent and highly educated that's something very characteristic we could even say that historical examples show that the higher the level of education the more vulnerable people are for mass formation and also these people highly educated, sometimes highly intelligent, tend to be capable to believe in the most absurd things. I will give you one example. During the revolution in Iran in 1979, if I'm not mistaken, there was a a very large-scale mass formation that emerged in, in, in society. And people started to believe that the portrait, the picture of the Ayatollah, who was considered to be the leader of the mass was printed on the surface of the moon and every evening when there was a full moon people were looking up at the sky pointing at the moon and showing each other where exactly this portrait of the ayatollah was printed on the surface of the moon that's one typical example of an absurd something absurd uh, that the mass has started to believe in i could give numerous other examples from the large-scale mass formations that happened in the Soviet Union, in Nazi Germany during the witch hunts, during the during the Crusades, uh, during the French Revolution, and so on. well uh, I will. I don't think we have the time to, to 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 give too many examples. But but like that's one major thing. The the the, the, the strange,
0: baffling blind, blindness. Of people in the mass. A second one, a second important characteristic of mass formation is that people who
1: are in the grip of it uh, seem to become radically unaware, it is as if they don't realize anymore that they lose many things while being in the grip of mass formation that used to be extremely important to them. So people seem to lose all awareness of their individual, egoistic. Interests. Um, people who are in the grip of a mass formation can lose everything. And the leaders of the masses can take everything away of the people who are in the mass formation without the people um, noticing it. A, a third characteristic, which is also very important of, of people who are in the mass formation, is that they become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. It is as if they are radically allergic, as if they cannot stand anymore. That people think differently, or that people... It is as if they do not permit any individuality deviating from the group norm. That's actually uh, uh, one of the major effects of mass formation, and this can go quite far. People in a mass, typically, tend to stigmatize everyone who doesn't go along with the masses. And, in the end, they typically give signs. To the people who are not who do not join the mass and and the ultimate uh, step is that they try to destroy these people and they try to destroy these people in a typical way they try to destroy these people as if it is their ethical duty to do so to give one example again of um, of uh, this kind of process uh, two months ago I was talking with, I had a conversation with Shorif Eshtali, a woman who lived in Iran during the revolution in Iran. And she mentioned that she saw with her own eyes how a mother reported her son to the state because she thought he was not loyal enough to the state, and how she hung the rope around his neck before he was hung. And she claimed to be a heroine to do so. So that's that's, all these characteristics are really typical, characterize the strange process of group dynamics uh, that we call mass formation. And once you understand, they can, they, they seem really mind boggling and strange, but once you understand the mechanism of mass formation, you see that from a psychological point of view, it's quite logical. And um, I don't know if we have time to, uh, to describe this, the mechanism of mass formation
2: in a, in a nutshell if you want. I I will give it my own layman's perspective based on the reading of your book, and you tell me how close to it I can get. So uh, the mechanistic worldview of the Enlightenment led to a feeling of meaninglessness in modern life, which has uh, taken the form of a free-floating anxiety that manifests as an urge to uh, fixate meaning um, symbolically uh, down to a, uh, a... Uh, totalitarian level, which takes on technocratic um, flavoring because of the mechanistic worldview and ultimately results in uh, what we have seen manifest quite clearly in the past couple of years, but really over the course of the past century. (laughs) Am I in the ballpark with that? Yes, yes, yes. That's the gist of the book.
1: But maybe we we can describe it in a little bit more detail. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite a summary. (laughs) This is a broad line of reasoning, indeed. Mm. But, uh, But as you said, indeed, like the... Uh, the phenomenon of mass formation became increased. it has always existed. As a, it, is, it exists as long as, as mankind exists. But the last three centuries, it became increasingly strong and it lasted longer. And that's indeed the fact that it became uh, more powerful, the mechanism of mass formation, is due to the fact that throughout the last three or four centuries, or at least that's what I claim in my book and that's how I describe it in my book, during the last three or four centuries, we've seen the emergence of the so-called mechanistic fuel man in the world, uh, which which means uh, we became convinced, or our society became convinced,
0: that the universe and everything in it is a materialist system which can be reduced to dead elementary particles, which all interact with each other according to the laws
1: of mechanics, or all atoms, molecules who interact with, according to the laws of of mechanics, and which can be under-described as this entire mechanistic universe, can be described, according to the mechanistic view of man and the world, uh, in a strictly rational way. And it's indeed this kind of, uh, this, this view on man and the world, that led to, not only to a, a very rationalist, closed thinking, which um, isolated, uh, mentally, uh, individuals from the world around them, but also, it also led to a, an excessive industrialization, of the world, and and an excessive use of technology, and that in its turn leads, I give several examples in my book of how this works exactly at the psychological level, this in its turn leads to people who feel disconnected from their environment, that's something typical. It's clear now that throughout the last three centuries, the number of people who feel lonely and disconnected with their environment, who stopped resonating with the world around them, uh, is increasing progressively. And just before the corona crisis, um, uh, this problem uh, became really, really strong. Uh, um, Theresa May in Great Britain appointed a Minister of Loneliness because she acknowledged how many people felt socially isolated. And in the, in the, in the, States, in the United States, the U.S. Surgeon General also mentioned that there was an epidemic of loneliness. It's something very typical. And so this, 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 these lonely, disconnected people typically tend to um, experience a lack of meaning-making. That's logical. I explain it in my book. Once you feel disconnected, you start to, to, uh, to be confronted with experiences of lack of meaning-making in life. And then, a the third step, as you mentioned, these people also typically are confronted with so-called free... Floating, anxiety, frustration, and aggression. That means anxiety, frustration, and aggression, which is not connected to a mental representation, or in even, simp- in even simpler terms, a kind of anxiety, frustration, and aggression through which or in which the person doesn't know what he's anxious for. for. Why he feels frustrated and why he, why
0: he feels aggressive. And that's an extremely aversive mental state. If people are in this state,
1: they have the feeling that they have no control whatsoever uh, when confronted with their anxiety because they just don't know what they are anxious for. So, in this state, uh, when many people are in this state, something very typical might happen in society. If a narrative is distributed under these conditions through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety and providing a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety for instance the virus and the lockdowns anti-vaxxers and the qr code and so on then there might be a huge willingness in the population to follow the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety even if the strategy strategy in many respects is utterly absurd and the reason is people participate in a strategy just because in the first step it gives them a feeling of a capacity to control their object of anxiety and also they also find an object to project or to direct their frustration and aggression on. So that's extremely important. That's the first step the first psychological advantage the second step is even more important because many people at the same time participate in a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety people start to feel connected again and that's the main reason why people go along with the narrative, even if this is utterly absurd, they want this connection, people are intrinsically, essentially social beings, and if they feel disconnected, they feel in the most aversive mental state, and that's cured symptomatically by the mass formation. I say symptomatically because a mass is a group that is not formed. Because there are strong connections between individuals, it's a group that is formed because there is a strong connection of every individual separately with the collective. So people in the mass feel a tremendous solidarity in citizenship, but it's not a solidarity of one individual to another individual. It's a solidarity from one individual to the collective, to the group. And that explains why. For instance during the corona crisis,
0: people were all talking about solidarity, they
1: were full of solidarity and at the same time they accepted that that if someone,
0: if their their neighbour got an accident on the street, they were no longer allowed to help unless they accidentally happened.